Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Arike Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, yeah. how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time agents. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Good evening, everyone. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. We are ready to go for this Wednesday, September the 6th of 2023, eight minutes after 5 o'clock. And we're here to talk Notre Dame football. The 2-0 Fighting Irish are going to be heading down to Raleigh soon to take on the Wolfpack of North Carolina State, the Irish right around a seven and a half point favorite in this matchup with the old Wolfpack led by former Virginia quarterback Brennan Armstrong. My name is Darren Pritchett joined by the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com part of the Rivals Network Eric Hansen. We are coming to you live on 960 AM WSBTRadio.com the free WSBT radio app and a live video feed of Eric and I sitting around talking football on the old Twitch app. Well, it's great to have you with us. Kind of a stormy day here in South Bend early on, and we are ready for some fireworks down in Raleigh coming up on Saturday noon kickoff, the Irish and the Wolfpack. You can hear the game, of course, right here on WSBT radio. Pre-game coverage starts at 7 a.m. 7 a.m. Jim Arizari and Tim Growl, their interview show, will be rolling at 7 a.m. And then Eric, Tyler Horka, and I will have Game Day Sports Beat brought to you by Bud Light from 9 a.m. to... Can you drink Bud Light at 9 a.m.? Absolutely. We could. Okay. We could. We might get in trouble for doing so, but we could. <laughs> but we're on the air from 9 to 11. I love these early starts. Primetime games are fun, but from a working standpoint, it's nice to get pregame done. 
You got the game at noon. I know you have to write after the game, but we can also enjoy some college football throughout the day. And I tell you what, in a couple of weeks, it looked like we were going to have some stellar matchups the week that Notre Dame played Ohio State, Florida State, and Clemson. That game now, eh, Clemson might be battling for third place in that game at best. We'll see. How do you explain that? How did Duke beat Clemson 28-7, and Clemson looked, dare I say, Bob Davey, discombobulated? (laughs) I mean, I guess that's a rhetorical, so I won't answer that. What were your thoughts on it then? I'll ask it that way. (laughs) My thoughts were... um, I'll tell you what. First of all, just very quickly, I'll give you two quick thoughts. And then we'll get deeper into it in a minute. Mike Elko does a great job. Yes. Two, what happened to Clemson at wide receiver? What happened to that? Remember all those guys that were running by Notre Dame's guys in the 2018? T. Higgins? Yeah. Yeah. T. Higgins and Ross and all those guys in 2018? Incredible. It looks like their dynasty is starting to come to a close. It was a heck of a run. Well, the criticism is that Clemson won't go to the portal and – they need to, or they need to do a better job at certain positions. And I also think um, that Dabo had some incredible coordinators for a long time, and he does not have those guys now. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Did not see that one coming. We'll talk more about that game here in just a couple of moments, but we've got two hours of sports beat tonight, actually an hour and 45 minutes because the Cubs – The South Bend Cubs will be on the air at 645 tonight. Let's get started with our hat trick of opening topics here tonight. Eric and Darren with you, and away we go with the first question. Eric, what are the biggest challenges the Irish defense faces Saturday at North Carolina State? I think it starts with Brennan Armstrong, the quarterback, who was second in the country by a tenth of a yard, or he would have led the country in total offense in 2021 at Virginia, then plummeted with a new head coach, new offensive coordinator in Virginia at 2022. Now he's back with that offensive coordinator, Robert Anai, at NC State. Um, So it starts with him. He's he's multidimensional. He can run. He's a lefty. He can chuck it. So that's that's number, challenge number one. Number two is Robert Anai's scheme, which I don't think we saw very much of against Connecticut. I think we saw the more vanilla version of it. Marcus Freeman addressed this Monday. What's difficult is their personnel and their formations and how different it is and how you know, a wide receiver is a wide receiver on one play, but he's a tight end in another play, and he's a running back in another play, so they move their personnel around. Uh, that makes it difficult. Um, and, and I think we're going to see surprises. I think that uh, Robert and I is pretty creative. I don't think he dipped into the creativity bag. So we'll see some gadget plays from NC State against Notre Dame that they'll have to be ready for. Armstrong two years ago had that big season at Virginia, 4,000 yards. I was not overly impressed with NC State's wide receivers against UConn. I wasn't either. They were pedestrian. It felt like, now maybe it was just the game plan for UConn, but it felt like an NC State offense 
that surprisingly needed to run the football. I mean, a nine through the years is not known for running the football. They needed to run the football against Connecticut in that game, and Armstrong was doing a lot of toting the football, yeah, for 96 yards and two touchdowns. I know they've got the Houston kid at running back, too, but he didn't have a rushing touchdown last year, like 500 rushing yards. So I guess I entered this season thinking Armstrong was going to at least partially refine that form from a couple of years ago when he was almost an All-American. But after the first game, I think he might be needing to run for his life a little more than I expected. Well, they were not a good offensive team last year without him. Um, They went through some quarterback injuries, but, I mean, that was a below-average offense. So that's what he was walking into. Some of that scheme, some of that's personnel. But, yeah, I mean, he's going to have to lift them up. uh, Sam Hartman walked into a much better situation from an offensive standpoint in terms of the people around him. There were high hopes at the start of last year when they had Devin Leary. As the starting quarterback, he got hurt. Now he is at the University of Kentucky. Second question, what do you feel like you've learned about Jared Parker's offense over the first two weeks? What I've learned is I still think there's more that we haven't seen, quite a bit more. But but of what we have seen is the identity of this offense is multiple. It's more multiple than what Tommy Reese ever had. Now, I think Jared also has pieces that Tommy Reese didn't have. He has a better quarterback than Tommy ever had, or Tommy ever was. Or recruited. uh, Or recruited. Um, He has more speed at wide receiver. He has depth there. Uh, So, but again, I think he's gone to his background. He he's taking some of the concepts and building on what Tommy had. Instead of starting from scratch, I think that was smart. But somebody asked me today in the live chat that we do um, what, you know, the two-minute drill, the proficiency there, does that mean we might see more tempo? Against teams that stink against tempo, yeah, you can do that in a stretch. If, If somebody, if that's their weakness, but I think it's just a tool. It's one of the tools in the tool bag you pull out when you start assessing a team's weakness. There are some teams that won't handle multiple tight ends well. There are some teams that won't handle four wide receivers or two running backs well. And that's what Jared Parker so far seems to be good at identifying is what's going to be a problem for that opposing defensive coordinator with his personnel, his formations, and his play calls. Now, I do agree with you on tempo only when you feel like you can use it as an advantage. But, Eric, with the way this offense has been constructed, the position coaches at running back and wide receiver, they are rolling personnel in and out of the lineup. And if you go tempo, then all of a sudden you're not going to use a couple of different running backs on a series or change wide receivers because, as we all know, the official gets over the ball, and when you change personnel, even if you want to go tempo – the game is basically halted so the right. defense can make changes, so you're counterproductive. Right. If you're going to change personnel, it's going to slow down the game. And I think Notre Dame loves to take their personnel, use all of them, and yeah. use their strengths to make the offense better. If they want to do it 
in short stretches, the way they can get around that a little bit is some of the versatility. Like Holden stays, you can put him in the slot. Yeah. A, a tight end. Jeremiah Love, you can have two running backs and you can split him out as a wide receiver, a true wide receiver. You can run a jet sweep with him. So there's a lot that you can do because all those running backs have versatility to them. Yeah. Um, at least Holden Stays has versatility to his tight end game. So there's there's some things you can do. Tyree can do some different things. Tyree can do He could go back things. to his old days yeah, being true. a running back for a series. I will say this. I've enjoyed the middle of the field being used. Crossing okay. routes. I, you know what? Good for Brian and Tommy. Not saying they were wrong. They didn't like to use the middle of the field. I like those crossing routes because, Eric, those type of routes give you opportunities to get the football in the hands of a playmaker, let them turn up, feel, and make a play. Look at the yak so far of Jaden Thomas. It's been fun to see. The middle of the field is there. It's not off limits. There aren't orange cones, Eric. You can use the middle of the field. (laughs) I'm just laughing because I'm thinking about if people were on Twitter today, they might have seen the clips of the Brian Kelly press conference where someone asked, (laughs) uh, do you think there could have been more creative with the offense? And he kind of scoffed at the question. I'm not going to talk about creativity of offense or defense. And then the SpongeBob uh, narrator F U moments later. <laughs> Maybe we could have been more creative with the offensive play. <laughs> How about not use one of the best pass rushers in the country as a spy in that game on the defensive side of the football? Well, this, yeah, I don't want to get too much off track. I know you don't want to. I know. I know, but it was, I just giggled when you were talking about the middle of the field and Brian Kelly. I just went, oh, man, that was funny today. The coach who said he was going to beat Florida State and then today oh I never said that oh Oh, man that's on tape Brian sorry about that probably needs to worry about the execution of his football team Uh. (sighs) okay let's go back to something we just touched on a moment ago we'll go a little deeper here the third question I want to get to what is kind of your takeaway of Duke because I am the first to admit as I set up the question for you I was setting up the doom and gloom of Clemson in that game. They got rolled 28-7 Monday night. But let's forget about Clemson for a second. Should we be respecting Duke more? Because, Eric, I said this yesterday to Allison, and I'll say it to you too. I spent the offseason saying Mike Elko did an unbelievable job at Duke last year going 9-3. and They have a majority of their talent back from last year but they might be better with a worse record because this time around they have to play Clemson, Florida State, and Notre Dame. So I kind of pushed Duke aside a little bit by saying, well, the record's not going to be as good because their competition's going to be tougher. Well, they've already beaten one of those three teams, so I probably wasn't fair to Duke during the offseason, so I'll own that. But after watching this game, Duke is after Ohio State. We've already labeled it a trap game. How concerned are you about how good Duke is after watching that game? Um, well, I had ranked them in my preseason top 25. I had them at 25, so I, I thought they Tip were going to be pretty good. Okay. Um, what, what was confirmed to me, uh, first of all, Riley Leonard, again, when you look at last year, you can't just look at his stats. You look at his passing efficiency Stats, and he was 47th last year, which is meh. But you look at that total package of how clutch he is and how much 
he does things with his legs and you know he might be incomplete on first and second down but boy that third down pass is going to be on target and and there's more to him than what his statistics are and then you know you look at their running game and it was pretty good I know they have one really good offensive lineman that gets a lot of national honors or national buzz but they all look pretty good especially when it mattered in in taking the game away from Clemson coming back at the end where, where they needed to hold on to the ball. And and that Clemson and, or Duke had made some mistakes that kind of gave Clemson an opening to just kind of blow blow by them, and they didn't. Muff punt the, right off the bat in the first half. Right. The muff punt, the, I think, either third and two or fourth and twos. They had a legal procedure. Um, so the uh, drop pass here and there, but the speed on their defense surprised me a little bit. They had a, um, I want to say, a defensive back from Texas A&M who would have probably followed Elko from Texas A&M. I thought, okay, these, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, these Clemson receivers aren't running past them. They're not getting separation. What's this? I'm not used to seeing this. I mean, I think some of it was. Clemson related as we kind of talked about in the opening but man Duke now again you mentioned to get up to peak for all those games that you talked about you know the hard thing for Duke is now there's no more divisions so they can get a lot of those teams tough teams in the other division in the schedule and and sometimes not I mean it's I don't know how they pick who's playing who now in the 14 team one division ACC, but uh, uh, they're going to be interesting. They're going to be a fun team to watch. Who are they playing this week? Lafayette? They have Lafayette, okay. then Northwestern, okay. and then oh. at UConn. Boy, I wonder if Northwestern could be Lafayette. Uh, after Rutgers, that matchup, yeah. I'm not so sure. Yeah. Well, Duke should be, should be undefeated going yeah. into the Notre Dame game, yep. and that'll be after Notre Dame host Ohio State. So win or lose, there's going to be a lot put into that game. So you're going to have to recharge your batteries quickly for the old Dukies. And you know what? This might be the greatest thing that ever happened because Duke's not going to sneak up on you. Everybody saw Duke beat Clemson, including that Notre Dame football team. So I have a feeling they realize they're going to have their hands full going down to Durham. Yeah, that uh, that was really something. And, and again, I think Clemson, I think Dabo is one of the better head coaches in the country. I think he's going to figure a lot of these things out. But I think program-wise, he's got to look at some of the things, including the transfer portal, not not using that. If, if Notre Dame and Stanford are using the transfer portal, why wouldn't you? I mean, you can fix a... Um, I mean, not, I'm not saying go Deion Sanders with it, but but if you've got a hole and you've got to wait for somebody to develop for two years, why not go out and get a proven player who's a nice fit for your locker room and fix that position? Cade Klubnick, I think we just all assumed would make a big jump after getting some playing time yeah. last year, sure. including late in the year, he was the guy. You bring in one of the gurus of TCU's offense to run the Clemson offense, and I guess the assumption is things would get back to normal. 
for Clemson on offense. Eric, watching the first half, it's like they couldn't throw a ball or felt comfortable throwing a ball five yards down the field. Everything was just out quickly, bubble screen or a, a regular screen. They didn't look comfortable in the first half throwing the ball down the field. Maybe it was because they didn't trust Klubnik, it felt like. Almost. Well, it was very strange. That's kind of what you see with teams that can't run the ball. Well, Clemson can run the ball. They have two really good running oh. backs. Um, and so it was, it was very strange. I mean, again, you just kind of go, what are they doing at wide receiver? I mean, Notre Dame's wide receivers are young, and they're much better than the Clemson wide receivers. At least this early in the season they are. They look faster. They look better like better route runners it's just like the duke guys had them covered it's kind of interesting to think back when notre dame was in the running for will shipley i mean they tried everything to get this kid he went to clemson at that moment when shipley picked clemson the cupboard was very empty in terms of primetime running back talent here in south bend now they got estimate and I think in they got digs that, in that cycle afterwards. Th- right, but they they weren't even on estimate. I was talking to Odrick this summer about that. They didn't contact him until September. His season had started, and it was a still a COVID season, so they started late, a little bit late. Um, and he said, "Yeah, they didn't contact him until September," and then he was pretty locked into Michigan State at that point. But he. He said, you know, Notre Dame is really special, and they were able to kind of pull him away from Michigan State. And then Diggs was still – It was up in the air. Yeah, I mean, he was waiting and waiting for that offer from LSU, and then it came very late. And then he had to think about it, and then he gets to campus, and he's thinking about it for two years and finally goes back to LSU. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they were – they needed to – Stack. I mean, they got Chris Tyree, which he hasn't turned out to be the top 60 prospect. He was advertised. There's still a lot of talent there, and Mm -hmm. I think maybe this position change will do it. But from a perception standpoint, Notre Dame had to get Chris Tyree. I think that was a victory in itself was just getting him. And then they had to build after that. Well, gosh, you look at that whole uh, five-man running back group now. They're all four stars, and they had a decommitment from Dylan Edwards, who's wow, out of Colorado, and they had another decommitment from a, a kid in Seattle. I can't remember where he ended up, but, uh, I mean, what would have they done with Dylan Edwards? I mean, he would not he would be good, but, I mean, they couldn't give him the carries that he's getting at Colorado. That was probably a smart move on his part, but, I mean, they've been – and Dylan McCullough, the way he handles those guys is huge because he has buy-in from them. Yeah. He's got camaraderie with them. They've bought into the less tread on the tires is better for my NFL career. Although you don't want no tread on the tires, that, that wouldn't be good. But um, so far, he's, he's done a really good job with those five guys. Just thinking where they were at that point. They had a lot yeah. of work to do once Shipley well, picked Clemson, and now look where they are today. Yeah. Just a remarkable turnaround. And and Shipley has been – he's been as good as advertised. I mean, I could see why Notre Dame really went after him. He's very good. And now it's kind of ironic. He went to the, the program that was elite at the time, and now that ship seems to be 
going down a right. little bit while the Irish are right. are surging right now with their five running back room. Well, I, that was a weird recruiting cycle too, Darren, because sure. he's from North Carolina, and he, they were able to kind of drive over and sneak over to South Carolina during that 15-month dead period. Odrick Estime never visited Notre Dame before wow. he committed to them. He, he came over between signing and enrolling, and he had to kind of sneak <laughs> to Notre Dame. You know, he, he snuck into the blue-gold game. He wasn't allowed to talk to the coaches or anything because there were no visits. So he had to just kind of give himself a, a campus tour and everything. It was very strange. Had Will Shipley been able to visit Notre Dame, I'm not sure that it necessarily would have gone the way of Clemson. I think he was very interested in Notre Dame, but he never saw campus. And, and with, the, with the pandemic going on, Notre Dame felt a million miles away, I think, too. Eric Hansen, publisher, editor, inside IndieSports.com. I'm Darren Pritchett. Those are opening topics for tonight's program. Coming up in just a moment, Eric and I are going to talk about that two-minute drill at the end of the first half against Tennessee State in which Sam Hartman just rolled the Irish down the field. But before that, the defense had to get the ball back. And Marcus Freeman needed to give the go-ahead to, hey, let's get the ball back to our offense. We need to score more points. A lot to unpack there as we continue on. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. And a diving catch by Notre Dame. Benjamin Morrison. Three interceptions on the day. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Intercepted on the 45-yard line. So Reek Bracey. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. He will score. 10-5 touchdown. Benjamin Morrison. 95 yards out. All right, Sports Beat continues here on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960, WSBT. It is 537 on this Wednesday evening. I'm Darren Pritchett. He is Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. We highly recommend while you're listening to the program, just click on InsideIndieSports.com. Eric's chat was today. I'm going to steal a few of those questions for tomorrow's program. So get the latest on the Fighting Irish at InsideIndieSports.com. Were you doing your Monday recap during the Duke-Clemson game? Um, it was right ahead, ahead of, of it. That's yeah. right. I didn't know if it carried over into yeah. the start Football of the game. Football never sleeps. That's right. Football never sleeps. 7 o'clock Eastern Time Monday on the InsideIndieSports.com YouTube channel. Is that the best way to put it? Yeah. Okay. Just look for it on YouTube. Just take a look. Just take a look. Just take a look. All right. And there's pictures, there's videos, there's everything. There is. It's very exciting. You and Tyler breaking it down at InsideIndieSports.com. Okay. So, Notre Dame football on Saturday rolled by Tennessee State, as expected, 56-3. to I just want to talk about a late sequence in the first half 
where Notre Dame did not take their foot off the gas. They put up 21 points in the second quarter to build a 28-3 lead on Eddie George's team. And the Irish were on defense with a couple of minutes left in the first half, and Notre Dame had timeouts to use. And I recall the legendary Chuck Freebie (laughs) saying to me, if Sam's going to go back out on the field on offense, are you thinking touchdown or field goal? I go, I'm thinking touchdown. Why not at this point? you got to have yeah. full confidence in Hartman leading this team down the field. And, okay, it's an inferior opponent. So, yeah, that probably greatens the possibility of it happening. But even with that being said, what has happened so far that didn't make you believe that he was not going to be able to take the team right down the field, which of course he did. But before we got to that point, the defense had to shut the door and Marcus Freeman had to decide whether to use a couple of timeouts or not. So here's Marcus Freeman on his defense taking care of business before the offense got to go on that late first half touchdown drive. Yeah, I saw on the clock as we were going out there, I think it was between two and three minutes, I said, man, if we can get a stop here, I want to have a two-minute drive. Right, and I was really calculating when we're going to use those timeouts and, and the ability to hold them as long as we could. Um, after first down, we use them. After second, uh, after first down, we use one. Or second down, I think second, we use two of them there. And I wanted to keep one timeout for our offense to uh, you know have a two-minute drive. And obviously, they didn't need it. But it's so crucial to have those type of of really situations. We do them in practice, but to have it live. Um, man, I was so proud of the way they executed. Uh, I love the communication. I was able to communicate with Coach Golden and say, hey, if, if they run the ball, we keep them bounds, we're using the timeout. Coach Parker, I'm going to save you one timeout. I don't want to use the timeout until we're past midfield. All those things, man, you can practice them all the time, but there's so much value using them in the game. So there you go, Marcus Freeman, his thoughts. I don't want to take this for granted, but I think Marcus – You see him continue to grow as a head coach. He's now probably in a situation where the game isn't moving a million miles per hour. He is settled in. He's very comfortable on the sideline. He's in control of the situation. And I thought he handled the timeouts perfectly. I don't know if I had to save one for the offense, but I like his thinking. That's for sure. And it gave his offense a chance to go on a drive that I thought was necessary, Eric, even though I know Tennessee State. But to have the chance to go through a two-minute drill, that could come in very handy, the experience when you take on NC State this week, if not against the Wolfpack, maybe against Ohio State on down the line. Well, I thought his read was incredible on his defense because it was first and goal on the five after Antonio Carter's targeting call. And so there was some momentum with them at first and go on the five, and then they started going backwards. And Marcus sensed that his defense, which wasn't very good in the red zone yeah. last year, was going to hold up in the red zone. They did. They got a red zone stop thanks to a missed field goal, but it would have only been a field goal. So he was calling the timeouts. And um, I did note that. I said, okay, this is something that wouldn't have happened last year. I would agree with that. And now let's just kind of – feed into a little bit more on the defense because the players on the defensive side of the football are now in their second year in this scheme being run by defensive coordinator Al Golden. I believe this was your question during Monday's press conference about little things that 
possibly are now happening because it's their second year in the defense? I think that was Tim Priester. Was it? Yeah. I thought it was you. Well, I was thinking it. You were thinking it. it. I was thinking it. All right. Well, it was a very important question. I'm glad it was asked. And here's Freeman on his defense being in this system for a second year and some of the advantages. There's there's small checks, not small, I don't want to use that term small, important checks that you can make based off of formations that you see that when you're in a new defense, it's, it's, they're, the, the defense is a big picture thing, right? But within that defense, a scheme and there are small details that it's hard, man, in the course of a game when things are going fast to remember. Like you're trying to remember how, where to get a line. You're trying to remember what's your assignment, where your eyes go. Well, there's also small checks that would really help your defense if you make them based off an offensive picture. This year, you're seeing it the second year. Okay, this is the formation. Okay, make this check. You know, that's the formation. Make this check. That will put your defense in a better situation to have success and so what you're seeing is that our guys aren't missing those checks because it's the second year of seeing the exact same formations maybe not the same formations but having the same calls defensively and being able to make those checks eric your thoughts on this group being with al golden for a second year and al being in the college game for a second year the importance yeah I, both those things are important let's let's look at it from the player standpoint though it's their third it's their third system in a row, third year in a row where they've had to learn a new system. And Al Golden, first of all, Marcus, when he said, I'm looking for a new defensive coordinator, obviously because he was the head coach now. Uh, but he said, one of my priorities is keeping terminology the same, keeping the scheme the same. And then when he went shopping, it's kind of like shopping for a house. Well, there's not a gas stove here. There's not granite countertops, but everything else is great. And that's who Al Golden is. No granite countertops, no gas stove, but everything else. And so there was not only a change in scheme, but a change in terminology. So I think it was even more confusing for these guys. And then Al tried to load up the defensive playbook in the spring when it needed to be probably thinner, and that was a lesson that he learned coming back to the college game. So I think now they're like, okay, we know what the terminology is, and even if you're adding things, we know the language, and we know the basic whys of this defense, and so they're playing a lot faster. And Al being around the college game, now a full year, he's got a better understanding of what teams may try to do to his defense. And what he needs and what he doesn't need. Carried too much inventory and carried some of the wrong inventory. And now he's got that. He's got the gas stove and the granite countertops now. Wow, I feel like <laughs> we're in an Amazon store right now. 545, Eric Hansen, Darren Pritchett with you. Sports feed here on WSBT Radio. So, field goal is missed. The Irish get the ball back. They have less than a minute on the clock. They have a timeout in their back pocket. Who needs timeouts? It took 38 seconds for the Irish to go 80 yards for the completions to tight ends, including three in a row to Mitchell Evans of 18, 18, and 13, and then Holden stays, caught the touchdown pass. Here's the 24-year-old quarterback, Sam Hartman, on that two-minute drill. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty good. Um, Sorry, that's Marcus Freeman. (laughs) I I don't want to tell him that too often, but, man, he is, uh, again, it's it's a level of comfort knowing that, hey, you can put that guy 
sometimes when you don't have that confidence in your quarterback, you're not going to call timeout. You're going to say, let the clock run out. Let's get out of this half and go to the locker room. But I wanted to get the ball in Sam Hartman's hands to run our offense in that two-minute situation because I've seen it over and over, him go out and execute. You know, and he did it last week. He did it again this week. And so I have the utmost confidence. If we have probably at least 20 seconds to 20 to 30 seconds on the clock before half, I'm going to call a timeout and try to get the offense the ball. Okay. I don't want to disappoint. I've got Sam Hartman talking about the two-minute drills. So as promised, here's the old veteran quarterback. Um, I mean, I think – you know, it starts up front, and I said that last week, but, man, it really does. I mean, I think that they, as they, I mean, our coaching staff and Coach Freeman and, and Coach Parker understand the ability that our line has to protect um, when we need them. And then, obviously, the guys can create space and get open on the outside and at tight end position. And you saw as running backs, too. I mean, shoot, we checked the ball down, and, you know, Stephen Jelly's still in 70-yard bombs, but... They're pretty, pretty easy bombs to me. Um, but no, it, it was great. It was great to see. You know, we hadn't been in that situation yet where we could really just um, let it fly and drive and um, put something together uh, in a two-minute fashion going into the half. And again, those are important in a lot of games. So it was, it was great to get some work at it. Sam Hartman on that two-minute drill. I want to ask a question about Sam. This was brought up in a chat that I was involved in, and I'd like to get your thoughts, Eric. Okay. There was an opinion that in the Navy game, there were a couple of deep balls thrown by Hartman that weren't the best and might have been intercepted by a team with better cornerbacks. And there's concern if he can throw the deep ball. Eric, having watched him at Wake Forest, that was one of his specialties. Do you have any doubts about his ability to throw the deep ball? And our folks on Twitch already know you're answer by the look on your face as I pass along that question. But if that's a thought out there, I want to put a stop to it. Wow. I'm, I'm not sure. Bum fuzzled. I am bum fuzzled. It's, I think that's what he does. Well, I agree. Uh, um, and I guess not every deep ball is going to be perfect. And I guess maybe against Navy, you can, be less than perfect, but boy, I saw enough of Sam Hartman at Wake Forest last year that I mean, it's kind of like okay, uh, so Barnaby's is one of our sponsors. Barnaby's is known for their great toppings on their pizza. I mean, it's like ask questioning their toppings. Yes, I, I don't get it. So I, I, I would have. I think I would have just gotten up abruptly from my chair and walked away. <laughs> I don't know. That's. Yeah. Well, I guess we always have to nitpick something. Okay. But, but nitpick that seems something like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's actually true. I yeah, mean, that come seems on. seems like an odd thing. It'd be like, boy, well, Audric Estime, I wonder if he's very strong or has a good physique. Last week, well, Hartman didn't throw to the tight ends. So now let's get the deep ball out of the way. First play of the game, Sam, let her fly down there in Raleigh, and we'll forget about that narrative as well. Okay. We'll be on to our next one, whichever that's going to be. Okay. All right, 5.50 is our time. Eric Hansen, the publisher of Inside (laughs) IndieSports.com. I've never seen you so flustered. Wow. (laughs) I thought it was a trick question. No, no, no. I... I just wanted to get your response in case someone else was thinking that. 
This guy throws a beautiful deep ball. Okay, does he have an arm like Dan Marino? No, but who else does? Well, okay. John Elway did, but that's, <laughs> okay. that's my guy. Come okay. on now. And my guy, Evan Sharpley. There's a guy with a gun, doggone it. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll have our Twitter question of the day next. Eric and Darren with you, Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. 555 at WSBT and Sportsbeat is brought to you by our title sponsor Budweiser. For 13 years, Folds of Honor and Budweiser have provided life-changing scholarships to military families. Join United Beverage in raising a bud to raise funds for Folds of Honor. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you, Barnaby's the Family Inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. September is Hunger Action Month. How will you choose to help end hunger? Learn more at FeedIndiana.org. By Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. By Bethel University's Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. South Bend Orthopedics, trusted in the community for 75 years. By Legacy Heating and Air, ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. And by the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Eric Hansen, Fighting Irish Football Insider at InsideIndieSports.com. My name is Darren Pritchett. Sportsbeat continues. Before we get to our Twitter question of the day, I think this is a unique story. The kicker for the Dallas Cowboys Sunday against the New York football Giants is from Notre Dame. But he never played for the football team, Eric. He played for the soccer team. That is amazing. That is the one of the two best Notre Dame soccer slash football stories that I can remember. And his name is? Brandon Aubrey. All right, so he will be kicking for the Cowboys, having never kicked for the Irish, or at least he didn't kick for the football team. He kicked for the soccer team. That's my, cool. My other good soccer story okay. is when Bob Davey was the coach. I'm going to tell you a, what, Eric. I, I can coach ball. There, there actually was a men's and a women's soccer player that wanted to join the team. Um, Bob Davey was having trouble with the kicker. The women's soccer player was the one that wanted to be the kicker, Jen Grubb. Uh, the men's soccer player did join the team, and Bob Davey thought he was getting reinforcement at kicker. It turned out to be an All-American cornerback eventually named Shane Walton. Wow. He was the Big East freshman of the year, or big All-Big East as a freshman. Soccer player. That is a good story. Thank That's you. That's a really, really good story, and, of course, Coach Davey was just ahead of his time, right? I don't pay a damn bit of attention to what people on the outside say. You know, because I understand none of them, though. <laughs> <sighs> that seems 50 years ago now, doesn't it? I think it is, actually, 50 years ago. It's quite a bit, quite a while ago. 
<laughs> oh, discombobulation at its best. All right, 558 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Okay, Twitter X question of the day from Tuesday. After watching the Clemson-Duke game Monday night, which of these quarterbacks concern you the most when they face Notre Dame? I gave you three choices, and they were Cade Klubnick of Clemson, Riley Leonard of Duke, or the guy the Irish are facing this week, Brennan Armstrong of North Carolina State. Before I give the results, Eric, how would you vote? I would have said Cade Klubnick. I would change it to Riley Leonard. Uh, but again, a lot of that has to do with who's around them, too. I think Brennan Armstrong on one of those other teams is a better quarterback okay. than he is at NC State. Here are the results. Coming in third place, 6.5% of the vote, Cade Klubnick of Clemson. He would have won this probably running away in the summertime. Second place in the voting. went with Brennan Armstrong of North Carolina State. And winning the vote easily, 60.9% went with Riley Leonard of Duke. Recency does matter sometimes. Well, I would not vote for Riley Leonard if it was who will turn in their homework on time. He, he asked the, a professor in a post-game interview to get an extension for his homework, and then the professor came back and said no <laughs> because he wanted to celebrate, and, and it was past midnight. And Did you see the story about Riley Leonard's mom, what she sends yes. him before every game? Yes, I did. Basically, we'll use the rated G version, you stink, and it's yeah. on... A wristband, yeah. One of those plastic wristbands. Pretty Thanks, cool. Mom. Yeah, no kidding. Keeps him level-headed. My, my mom would send the wrist people I was playing against. She would want to boost my ego. <laughs> <laughs> I would need <laughs> Okay, here is today's question. You can vote on it right now on my Twitter account at 960 Sportspeed. So, after beating two inferior opponents, how would you best describe Notre Dame football's playoff chances? Here are your three options. Very good, still a long shot, or too early to tell. Very good, still a long shot, too early to tell. So that is what you're voting on. Go to my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. We'll give you the results on tomorrow's program, and Eric will tell you how he would vote. Tomorrow's program here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, let's change themes. And that means it's time for either a great nighttime soap opera or what's coming up at Inside ND Sports. It's either Tony Danza or Eric Hansen coming to you next. (laughs) Okay. Tony Danza, wow. All right. Hey, 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 hey. Okay, so for subscribers, we have Tyler's film analysis. 
We have transcripts from the coordinators, Jared Parker and Al Golden. For everybody, we have today's live chat transcript, which is the number one trending story throughout the Rivals Network right now. We have our podcast with Connor O'Neill, really great insight into the ACC stuff. Uh, we have Notre Dame moving into the top 10. We have all kinds of recruiting stuff. And Darren, there's always much, much more. I had to double check myself by the look you gave me. Tony Danza was on Taxi. I forgot Danny DeVito. I haven't watched it in so long. Danny, T Tony Danza was on Taxi, but he wasn't on Soap. Oh, that's right. He wasn't on Soap, was he? Billy Crystal. I got the shows mixed up. How? That's right. Billy Crystal was on yeah. Soap. Who else was on that show? Um, now I got to look it up. How did I get a lot Taxi of in my that, head? That my son's age would recognize. Let's see. Richard Mulligan. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Catherine Hellman. Good old soap. Yes. <laughs> Taxi was good, and that show was really, really good. That's why I gave how you the funny I look on, on Tony Danza. I went, how did I okay, get Taxi you're the boss. into my brain? <laughs> Which is another Tony Danza I show. don't know how I got Taxi in my brain. Four-letter shows on ABC <laughs> for 100 Alex? I don't know. That aired from 1977 to 1981. 85 glorious episodes. I even forget the uh, wide receiver, Demetrius, that was the inspiration for the Chance. Oh, who was it? He he went to Cal, and then he was at Georgia. and He bounced around all these different yeah, places. I'll have to think of it. Because it was a soap opera, his recruitment. Yeah, That's absolutely. why we started playing the soap right. theme song. I mean, on my button here, it says soap TV theme. How in the world I got taxi <laughs> into this? I have zero, zero Maybe they'll come out with a sitcom called Uber. <laughs> I guess we could. I guess we could. I, I'm not sure how it's going to go, but we'll give it a shot. Because is there a place where Uber drivers converge like at a taxi place? I'm they just sure. kind of do their own thing. I think they kind of do their own thing, but I'm not sure. Maybe there's a secret going on there's a secret <laughs> okay if anyone can come up with an idea for an uber tv show i'm all ears i'm all ears all right i'm gonna let you get to work i know you have things to do but good catching up with you as always and we will try it again tomorrow sounds great <laughs> all right we'll take a time out sports update on the way more irish football talk to get to 605 at sports radio 960 WSBT. My husband and I had a sleep divorce. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.